Today on the podcast, Allie and I are going to interview one of our dear friends, Ross Robinson. Now, Ross is, he has coached both Allie and myself. We have attended several of his coaching co-ops, training seminars, just a fantastic leader, a fantastic coach. Ross is a leadership coach, and he is just so energizing. Uh, he really helps us to discover goals and, and really find these uh, innovative paths to doing what we need to do as leaders. Um, and he, he and his wife founded a company called Bold Move International. And man, you should go, you should check their site out. A lot of great stuff. I've never had a conversation with Ross that I didn't walk away learning something uh, and being a little bit better because of it. Uh, Ross has a true desire to see leaders uh, realize their potential, to find success. He is, boy, his accolades are long. He's a graduate of Georgetown University's ITL Leadership Coaching Program. Uh, He's a credited coach for the International Coaching Federation. Uh, He's a strengths coach through Gallup. And I can just promise you that in today's conversation, we are going to talk about having difficult conversations and how to how to approach that. And I can promise you today's podcast is just going to be amazing. So let's just go ahead and jump in on the podcast and learn a whole lot about uh, difficult conversations and what Ross can coach us through today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Hey everybody, this is Reba and Allie's here today. We're so excited to have you join us on Rooted Deep. And man, today we're, we are excited. We have one of our favorite people on the planet with us today. Uh, Ross Robinson is with us today. He coaches Allie. He coaches me. Um, he has walked us through so many things. And today he's going to walk us through how to have a difficult conversation. So ah. it's a very, very easy task. Very, yeah. you know, not hard well, at all. I know all of you out there can relate to this. You've had those moments when you know you need to say something difficult or you need to have this awkward, difficult conversation and, you know, you're in your shower practicing, uh, you know, you're practically throwing up over the whole issue. You've got stomach problems. You know, it's just this big, it's just this so much tension that builds into this because sometimes it's because the relationship is so important to us. And other times it's just because we feel so ill-equipped to actually confidently step into it, Ross. So, I mean, you know, for all of us out there that, you know, are like that, I mean, help us. Come on now. <laughs> Okay, so just to get it right, we're going to talk about how to have a difficult conversation, but you didn't ask me to come here because you and Allie are about to have one? No, 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 no absolutely no, just, not. No. Oh, <laughs> we're asking okay. you, yeah, you're the referee today. Uh, yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're good this week, right, Allie? Okay, <laughs> okay good. Well, I, I am actually grateful for the opportunity to talk about this topic because, Reba, when you were describing the the stress and even physical symptoms that people encounter over, I guess, what we're broadly calling difficult conversations. Um, It's very real and in a way personally destructive. So anything that we can do to help people manage that better, do a better job with it, 
I'm all for. Um, yeah. And the first, like one of the very first things that comes to my mind, which might sound overly simple, but I think we all live with, even if it's not consciously, this idea that we can have a difficult conversation um, that will go really well. That if we do it right or we say the right things, it's going to turn into people agreeing with me and people hugging and saying that was the greatest thing, good job. And I mean, we're all smiling right now, but yeah. but that gets in the way. Like, I think that I would just say at the outset of this conversation, I think that a big thing we have to do is tell ourselves that difficult conversations feel undesirable to both parties mm. and to remind ourselves of that and say the goal is not for myself or the other person to feel good yeah. because this is going to be hard. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's bad. It can be good, but it might not feel good. And I think so many people spend a lot of time saying things in those conversations to try to, you know, get people to agree with them or to make us both feel better. And and I think those are misguided expectations. Oh, I think yeah. that's so good. Go ahead, Allie, you're about to say No, something. that's true because um, so many times you feel yourself scaling back from what really needs to be said. And then in the end, it's like, okay, that it ended well-ish, but now in a few weeks, we're just going to have to have this conversation again. And and that's that's the problem. I think also these are the type of things that even in the Bible, the Bible tells us, hey, um, if you're having a problem with worship, Maybe it's because you have to go to your brother mm. and make something right. And so even just getting that, it is biblical to just go in and just kind of have these difficult conversations and, you know, yeah. so. And the way God made our brains mm -hmm. is we have this little thing called the amygdala that's always scanning for threats. Mm. And when we sense a threat and important word there, sense, whether it's real or perceived. Mm. If we yeah. sense a threat, we kick out of the, you know, that rational part of our brain that's kind of weighing things. And we jump into that amygdala, which just is either fight or flight. And the truth is when we talk about like a difficult conversation, most people will experience that as a threat. Yeah. So if we understand how God made our bodies, we would say, so if I, end up in a conversation like this that I start or that someone else starts one or both of us are going to jump into uh, you know tongue-in-cheek but like panic mode where mm -hmm. our God-given responses to a threat are to run like flight or to defend ourselves yeah. and fight yeah. Yeah. Um, so to expect something different than that I believe is misguided so, yeah. And I think that's so helpful because, you know, as, as women, okay, we tend to lean more into sometimes into our emotions. That doesn't mean that men don't, but I just, as a general, in a general broad sense, women tend to lean into those feelings and are guided a little bit more by feelings maybe um, than, than maybe men are at times. And so I think that, that that's important and incredibly important, helpful tool for, for me as a woman to understand 
that these are things I, I expect to be there when I walk in and I expect to have all of this. And so when I get that straight in my head, then it won't shock me when it comes right. and I'm not looking to bail to get it to go away. Yeah, yeah. You know. Right, and if you say that a person who maybe doesn't lean as much emotionally, but maybe a bit more linear kind of thinking, can still go into the conversation with misguided expectations because they think that their reasoning and their precision and their ability to articulate something will result in the person agreeing with what they're saying. And then when that doesn't happen, you know, devastation or alienation in the relationship. So, yeah, I mean, I know we're really emphasizing this, but I think just to say, hey, for all of us, just mm-hmm. have enough of a moment to say, oh, this is going to be a difficult conversation. Guess what? It's going to be uncomfortable, and it's not my job to fix that. Yeah. I like there's, that. Like, there's not a way to fix that. Yeah. So, Ross, tell us this, then. How can, how can we engage in the most appropriate and helpful way when we know we've got to enter these conversations, then? So I'm really curious what would first come to each of your minds. Like, Allie, when you hear that question... No right or wrong answer, but what yeah. do you think? Like, what what comes to your mind that's important? Um, I think, you know, what's important to me is making the other person feel validated or, you know, you know, dignity is really important to me, especially in the line of, in the line of ministry that I work in. I'm working with all women and, and so, um, and from all, you know, from all aspects. And so I want, you know, I need to make a corrective statement or I need to come in and correct something, but I also, dignity is high on the list for me. Mm-hmm. Great. What do you think of Reba? What's important if you, if you got to be in a difficult conversation? Yeah, I think making sure. She just likes to be right. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she wants to win. That's all. <laughs> You know, I think for me, it's it's being heard. And let me clarify that. The words that I say are actually equal to what I mean them to be. Um, I think sometimes when, personally, I know for me, I can testify. When I get into a difficult conversation, I know the, I know what I want to communicate, but I'm always concerned. Are, is this person hearing what I'm really saying? Mm-hmm. You know, or are they hearing something different? Um, and so I'm, I'm always trying to, find a way to check to see, okay, are you hearing me in what I'm saying? Or are you interpreting this in some other way? Right. Yep. And I was, I was coaching a woman recently who said a similar thing, but then she went on to say, and when I get that feeling, I notice that what I do is I keep talking. Mm-hmm. I keep talking, thinking that I'll say it enough ways or a different <laughs> way that the person will start nodding and they'll get it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think what was interesting as I listened to both of you is there w- those were good answers and both of them, there was some underlying concern or underlying risk. In one case that I will somehow devalue a person by doing this and the other case that I will fail to get the message across. Um, and so I think that, you know, Pete, we all are going to prepare well, maybe that's the first thing we should say is if you know a difficult conversation is coming, then prepare. Mm-hmm. Don't just wait and, you know, trust God to give you, he will give you what you need in the moment, but do some preparation ahead of time. 
Um, and then as we do that, part of it is getting in touch with what I feel like is at risk. You know, what I feel like, what is the actual issue here? And this is where I think talking about emotions is really helpful because emotions are a like super important part of who we are as human beings. And they often in tense or difficult situations are the things that help lead us to the answers. But if we don't do the work to, to ask, what are my emotions trying to help me see? What are my emotions in touch with? Then I may just go from the place of this is how you're making me feel mm. um, versus this is what's happening. So let the way that I'm feeling become like uh, an invitation to dig a little bit into why, why am I feeling that way? What's going on here? What is the actual problem so that I can lead with the problem and not with my feelings mm -hmm. about what you're, who you are or what you're doing. And I think it, like it does actually, Allie, feel respectful, mm -hmm. even if it's hard. Mm -hmm. um, it feels more respectful to say, this is the problem yeah. than this is how you make me feel. Right. Not that our feelings aren't valid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm always concerned about listing some, you know, because I remember, especially in, in, a, in, a, in more, because I, I feel like I'm more emotional maybe than Reba, for example. And so I'm more, I'm worried about my filter. I'm like, somebody's going to say something to me, but I'm filtering it through all these emotions and I'm not going to think logically about what the, the problem, like you said. And I think that's important to go to the root. Okay. What's the actual problem? We're not ignoring our feelings, but we know that that's not, feelings aren't going to solve it. It's yep. just going to. Yeah. And Ross, you said something that I just want to follow up on because there may be somebody sitting out there that's asking that same question that I did when you said it. And you said we need to plan. So before we kind of move on a little bit, can you give us some tips for yep. how to plan? Yep. Here's 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 one is. Often the easiest thing to do is get in touch with how I'm feeling about the situation. And so just ask yourself the question, when I'm feeling this way, what is going on? What mm -hmm. is happening? So I'm trying to move from, I'm feeling, let's say, rejected by my friend. Or I'm feeling like, you know, worried or concerned that one of my workers isn't performing how they should be or whatever the, that's how I'm feeling when I'm feeling that way, what is happening? What is going on? So try to get a view on the actual event or situation or dynamics. So it's very different to say, I feel rejected by my friend than to say, every time I call her, she needs to get off the phone within 30 seconds very different, right? So if I come and say, hey, Reba, I don't know what's going on, but I just feel very rejected by you. I mean, that conversation is going to go a completely different direction than if I come and say, hey, Reba, I have a question. seems like the last five times I've called, like you have to get off within 30 seconds. What's going on with that? Mm. It could be something I have no idea, yeah, right? problem. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I let my feelings of rejection guide me, like help me ask the question when I'm feeling this way, what is going on? So that I would say is a big part of the prep is what is actually going on. 
Mm. Um, the other, like, I guess, quick piece of advice I would give is not original with me, but Peter Bregman wrote a book called Leading with Emotional Courage. And one of the things that he says in the book, uh, which is very easy to latch onto and very hard to do in real life, is lead with the punchline. Hmm. Like if you if you yeah. if you can figure out what the thing is, start there. Yeah. yeah. Because if you if you have all these other things you say, maybe because you're trying to help somebody feel valued or like good motives, mm -hmm. but you like give a paragraph or two or three before you get to the thing, there will be so, they already may be in the amygdala by the time you get there, <laughs> right? There's right. like so or they've much. Already, they've already flight. They've already taken off. <laughs> right, right. So just maybe that's a like, what is going on is a great mm -hmm. question. And then lead with the punchline. So now I will say there's another researcher who I think gives good advice. And she says, um, say something at the beginning to let the person know that a difficult thing, a hard conversation may be coming mm -hmm. because you give like, a hopefully you create a little opening in the brain. It's not like a bear jumping out of the woods, you know, yeah. but you hear something first and you can prepare mm -hmm. yourself. So just a simple thing, like um, there's something that I've been wanting to talk to you about. And I recognize that it might be uncomfortable for both of us, but I feel like we really need to do it. Is that okay? Like you can add a question on there even, is that okay with you? Mm -hmm. Um, because even if they're terrified when they say yes, they're kind of stepping into it, mm. but then don't go paragraphs about how much, <laughs> how they're the greatest person you've ever known. You know, like I could say my, my primary concern is that you would know how much I value you. And I'll probably repeat that over and over, but the topic that I want to bring today is, mm. and so get to the punchline quickly. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. that's good. That is good. Very helpful. Um, I need hard. to be writing this down, but I'm glad I'm glad we're recording. I'm going to listen hard. to our podcast later. This is really helpful. <laughs> it is. It's so hard because uh -huh. I think it's easy for us. And maybe that's kind of where we I want to maybe lead us to next. But, you know, when you have a difficult conversation, it's very easy to put your yourself in the place of the victim. And even if you're the one initiating it, sometimes it's really hard to say I've been wronged or, or whatever. So. Ross, I mean, you got to right. tell us because we're we're just all over. I mean, can be all over the place in moments like this. Our brain is flying, our thoughts are flying, our emotions are flying. So, how do we manage ourselves in moments like this when we know we've got to have these conversations? Mm. Yeah, that's harder. Even I think, believe it or not, the mm -hmm. interaction is presents itself as the really hard thing. But mm -hmm. like managing myself well during before during and after a difficult conversation is really important and challenging work um so i think one like one good idea is to pause and say what do i actually want from this you know go, get to the why why would i have a conversation with this person about this mm. yeah because I'm so frustrated, I can't take it anymore. That's probably not a great time for a conversation, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Now, 
there may be something that needs to be talked about, but I may need to talk to somebody about my own, you know, intensity level um, so that I don't come in and just blast the other person with bottled up frustration. Um, so why, why would I want to have this conversation with the person? It may be because I see something that I'm really concerned about for them and I want to talk to them about it. It may be because there are new patterns in our relationship that are hurtful for me. And, and I think that they would want to know that as hard as it is. So getting in touch with the why, I think it is like, why am I doing it? And what would I want at the end? Like, you know, the why should lead us to what's the point? Yes. Um, because then I can prepare myself and the conversation in the direction of that goal. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because I think we all, um, sometimes we lose sight of why we're actually having the conversation when we get, when we get frustrated or angry or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, why are we, why am I even at, you know, all I am is just spewing and, and spewing at somebody is the very absolute wrong reason yeah. right. to have this conversation. Right. And I think that there are these thoughts that live in our heads that say things like, well, if you were living in Christ's love, you would bear this or you would, you know, like th these, what I would call like gospel expectations that, that I wouldn't create a conversation about this. Um, yeah, like what it means to love someone. Well, sometimes like having the difficult conversation is the most, I'm not being trite, like the most loving thing. Maybe no one else has taken the time to do that. And you're basically saying to the person, you matter enough to me that I'm not just gonna let this go. You're not fighting for the person, but you are fighting for that relationship. And sometimes it, the, the peace, yeah. you know, the phrase yeah. peace comes with a sword is kind of very a violent phrase. But um, but what I'm saying is, like you, like you said, it, it is more helpful and more loving to go ahead and, and, and have these difficult conversations so that there is still a, a relationship afterwards or working relationship or friendship or, or whatever it is. Right. So that's, and that's and potentially helpful. one with more respect and more mm -hmm. trust, even though we had to go through this difficulty together. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I've counseled people before that they, they have failed to have that conversation yeah. and time and distance and anger and hurt and pain have built this huge wall between them and that other person. And the next thing you know, it's four years later, it's five years later, and it's now how do I go back? How do how do we how do we come back around here? And so I think this is so important to not let those big huge boulders come between me and this person that I care about or that you know that's important to me. Um, even though these things are hard, it is hard to speak the truth in love. But the Bible yeah. says it's possible. It's possible. And I would say here's a tool that I think I find very helpful and I feel like has resonated with a lot of people is the tendency can be to engage in this conversation. I have to become whatever, the bad guy, or this whole relationship is now at risk often is how it feels. But if I stop ahead of time and like work to manage myself, I would say, 
let's say I'm coming to Allie with a difficult conversation. I have a relationship with Allie that is bigger than this topic because I got in touch with what it is so I can see what it is. And I would say, this is actually a conversation that I need to have with Allie about this thing. But this is not a conversation about our entire relationship. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we have a bigger relationship mm-hmm. than this. So I can say, kind of coach myself and say, you know, as a friend, as a co-leader, like I have a relationship that is not the least bit threatened by this topic. But I need, let's say I need to have a conversation with Allie about, I'm totally making this up, but like that we were co on a coaching call together, coaching a woman leader. And there was some, some way that Allie handled something that I feel like I need to talk to her about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then I want to get clear that this is not my whole relationship with Allie. This is actually, I'm putting on my coach hat is how I, what hat am I wearing into this conversation? Oh, it's just this piece of our relationship. And I can actually even verbalize that. It's mainly for myself, but I can't even say like, Allie, this is not about our whole relationship. I am 100% sure that is secure. But I do need to talk to you about, you know, I need to put my coach hat on and talk to you about this. And I know I'm picking kind of an easy example because sometimes it is I'm putting my friend hat on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And that's hard, but you know what's not at risk? We are still brothers and sisters in Christ. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, that's not at risk. But the 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 way I feel or you feel about this friendship may feel at risk, but that's the lane I'm going to be in. So getting like an idea, managing yourself ahead of time to say like, and there are those rare cases where everything's at risk. And that's probably more than what we're calling a difficult conversation. Those are like, serious, you know, where everything's at risk, but the kind of things we're talking about, it's like, okay, everything you're not at, this is not, everything's not at risk. So get in touch with that. Manage yourself by saying, we're still going to be friends or sisters in Christ or whatever. Yeah. I I have a question in some of these conversations, and this is just thinking back, you know, over years, like, like Reba was saying, sometimes either in counseling or a difficult conversation, you think, okay, is it time? Is it ever a good time um, to bring in a third party? Cause it's, you know, I'm like, okay, Reba, you know, Reba likes to start the podcast at nine 30. I like to start at 10. We're going round and around about this forever and ever and ever. And we're still not getting to the root cause. Is there ever good? And that's just an example, but is there ever a good right. time to say, okay, I think we need to phone a friend on this one. And, but then I don't want to feel you know, like, okay, okay. Now I feel threatened. She brought a friend into the, you know, what, right. what do we do right. about that? I don't know. Um, so just to, to be clear, I think this is not what we're talking about in yeah. this podcast, but yeah. there are times where I need to have a conversation with someone mm-hmm. and I want someone else present to mm-hmm. basically to be a witness, to know so that there's someone who can say what was and wasn't said yeah, besides was. me and the other person. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. There are times where that third party is really helpful. But I think what you're asking about, Allie, is we've tried, we've tried, we've had mm-hmm. conversations about it, we haven't figured it out. Yeah. Can we get somebody else involved? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if 
that is about making like a decision, like what time we're going to start the podcast or like, if it's just some, a solve a problem that has Mm -hmm. to be solved, as long as both of you are agreeing Mm -hmm. that you want this to be done. We don't want to ever have a conversation about this again. So we're going to get somebody in here to help us, you know, and, and anybody that works in mediation will tell you that, people will be less happy with the decision <laughs> that a mediator creates than if they would have they created one out. themselves. Yeah, Your best sense. opportunity to get the most of what you want is with just those two people. But there is a time when two people feel like the most important thing now is that this ends, yeah. <laughs> that we don't keep, that we, we don't keep, keep talking around. about this. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having a person who will help solve it Mm. I feel really like the helpful. royal family really needs this kind of this podcast <laughs> right now at this moment, you know, maybe. And the person, the third person shouldn't be Oprah Winfrey, you know, um, that's just yeah, right. my personal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. that's, that is very helpful. Um, but this is, uh, this is just helpful for us when we're, you know, and for anybody who's listening, who's like, okay. And I, I love the steps to getting to, okay, I need to know what the problem is. I need to understand how I'm automatically going to feel and just understand that it is, you know, you can't say I'm going into a difficult conversation. I hope it's not difficult. I mean, that's just, that's just. I, I, I hope that she agrees with me. Yeah. I hope that she doesn't get her feelings hurt. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's talk about that. It is a real, like, I think very few people are good at letting other people in close proximity to them experience negative emotions. Mm. We don't like how it makes us feel, let's be honest. We think we're trying to take care of them and fix this Mm -hmm. because we care about them, and we do, Uh but we hate how this feels too. And we're trying to get everything smoothed over Mm -hmm. when when really the best gift is to say, you know what, if someone were saying this to me, that would be really hard. And I can allow her to whatever, cry or feel hurt right now. That does not mean that tomorrow or next week or next month, that will be the case. In fact, if you can allow for the other person to have whatever response they're going to have and and show in that moment that the relationship is secure and that you're not going anywhere, the likelihood that this could produce some fruit and the relationship gets stronger goes way up. And that's back to your question, Reba, about how do I manage myself? I would say... Mm -hmm. You know, number one, acknowledge that the whole, re- that most of the time, this is just a piece of my relationship mm-hmm. with this person. Get in that lane. And number two, like become better at like self regulating when someone else is struggling in a relationship and just be able to be with them, to be there with them. Yeah. Instead of having to fix it. Yeah. And I think, you know, Ross, would, would the same thing work in reverse? So we've kind of been looking at it from the angle of me ha- going to somebody else yeah, with a difficult right. conversation, but people have to come to me sometimes and they want to have a difficult conversation. And so I have to manage, if somebody looks at me and says, Hey, Reba, I want to talk to you about something. I know it's going to be difficult for the two of us. Immediately, yeah. I've got to manage myself to actually receive what they're telling me. That's right. Exactly. And some of the very same things we talked about, you know, one is like, you're not going to show up perfectly in that moment. Like you're already triggered a bit 
without, you don't get a chance to say, oh, I'm not going to my amygdala. Like it happens, right? (laughs) But then because I know that I can quickly say to myself, okay, this is difficult, but I want, so I would say the first question, if you're in the receipt on the receiving end is, do you want to be in this conversation right now? Because there are times where you may say, I can't, I actually can't do this well right now. So get in touch with that and say to the person, I value what you have to say. I want, I I know we need to have this conversation. I'm not going to be able to do a good job with it right now. Could we pick a different time? Mm. Um, Or I would say in many cases, don't try to not be emotional. Don't try to not feel things. Just turn your attention to, I want to try to understand what they're saying. Because probably they're worked up. If they haven't listened to this podcast, they probably didn't prepare well. (laughs) You know, so they're going to bring it imperfectly. um, And you're going to have to help do the work. As the person who just got kind of blindsided, you're going to help do the work of mining out what's actually going on. That's, That's really good. important. I That is so important. It just reminds me of two different difficult conversations. And my difficult conversations with my husband, Gary, always center around money. He likes talking about money. He likes planning. I hate, literally hate money. Unless somebody hands me money for shoes, I don't want money. You know, I don't <laughs> want it in my life. Um, and at early, early on in our marriage, I was soaking in the bathtub and he came bursting in the bathroom and said, why did you round up on the checkbook? That was the very first, why did you just, why do you round up the numbers, you know? Uh, blah, blah, blah. And I just started chucking shampoo bottles at him. I'm like, that, you know, I mean, uh, he started the conversation imperfectly, but boy, did I finish that conversation. Yes. You know, we both amygdala, big fat, juicy. Amygdala. That is a great example. <laughs> yeah. But then last night he actually, this was so funny because he said, okay, there's something that um, that's happening. I need to tell you about, I know you're going to respond initially this way, you know, after 21 years of marriage, he knows exactly. And so it was like, it was almost like a little diffused because once I did, I was thinking I was going to respond. I'm like, oh, he just told me I was going to do that. I'm going to you know, I'm not going to do it as much. That was really helpful. But, you know, those two <laughs> that, I mean, just what to do and what not to do. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And I would say, Allie, combined with the work that I know you've done over the last year to be more aware of mm-hmm. what is happening with yourself, mm-hmm. then in a more of a pivot moment, you can get there more quickly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you get to make a choice about how you want to show up. Right. So I could be feeling blindsided, wronged, mm-hmm. hurt, and stay in the conversation and try to get to what's actually going on. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, because it was my husband, it was because it was not him doing something to me. It was an outside problem. I kind of still like diffused a little bit, like just went maybe for 30 seconds, not, I was like, oh, I just went all over the place, you know, and he's just waiting because he knows it's going to happen. And then, you know, then we actually talked about, you know, what needs to be done in the next steps. And so um, it was very helpful to know I was already going to go there. So I went there and then I came back and thought creatively instead of reactively as Ross (laughs) teaches us. Which is, which is how God made us. Like you, like I said, like you don't Mm -hmm. get a choice Mm -hmm. not to get 
triggered. Right. You know, somebody could say there's snakes in my backyard and you know that, but you have to take the trash out and then, and you're being careful and then you see one or, you know, worse, you step on one, you're going to have a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're right? allowed a moment. Give me my and moment. I think that's so important. You're allowed a moment. The other mm-hmm. person's allowed a moment. It doesn't make us ungodly. It actually makes us like normal to the way mm-hmm. God created us. Yeah. Now, Ross, let me ask you this, because I love that Allie kind of brought up the family dynamic, because a lot of our awkward conversations and our difficult conversations do happen in the context of family. Yes. But um, I know a lot of parents might be listening and, you know, they're raising teenagers or they're raising, you know, preteens and they need they're thinking, okay, great. I'm going to take everything Ross is telling me and I need to go have this difficult conversation with my teen. So let me just ask you, do we engage our children in the same way we do adults? Wow. Um, well, I would say on the preparing side, like the first thing we talked about, I think, yes, you can use some of those same tactics, but on the personal or self-management side, I think like if you're not going to be engaging with another adult, you know, you're going to a teenager or a teenager is coming at you. You have to have very different expectations. Mm. Like, and, and I'm not saying we're just making excuses, but I'm saying like they're not, their brains are not formed in the way that ours are. And there often like is a normal imbalance that's going on chemically, you know, inside of them. And that's just a part of growing up. So I would say yes on the prep side, but don't think, just don't kid yourself to think that that's going to work. And when it doesn't, that means you have a horrible kid, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, and then, and then to be able to hold that space for no matter, I can have a difficult conversation with my team and no matter how they respond, I can be okay. I can give them room to be a teenager and be okay. Super hard. Mm-hmm. And I think like what I see today even like young adult, like, mm-hmm. you know, parents with kids in their twenties yeah, still, still are like taking everything so personally that their kids do or say, um, you know, yeah. So to, to kind of commit to not having to be understood to Reba's word, you know, not having to like, achieve them feeling valued like these are just like you know if there's something that needs to get said or talked about that's just make it that and get it done don't make it about the relationship yeah 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 because teenagers are all over the place I mean, you know, within an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one minute they're acting like they're 25 or eight, 28. The next minute they're acting like they're seven, you know, and, and you never know when you're going to catch them. (laughs) Right. And we were that, we were all that. We were absolutely. And it's normal in a sense, and it's not fun Mm -hmm. at times, but it's not something to be fixed. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, man, this has been so good. So let's ask you kind of a wrap-up question because I know we're, we're getting here to the end of our time. But so whether we're on the receiving end of a difficult conversation or we're on the let's have this difficult conversation side, how in the world do we know when it's all said and done that it was successful? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're not basing it on everybody's 
hugging and we're all and we're all Crying you know and we're singing okay. yeah everybody's how did you know if it was successful right um so i think you can only answer that for yourself and the way that you can know it is successful is that you said what you needed to say um, in a way that I want to say like that you're proud of. I don't know if that like, you know, but in a, in a loving way, but then I'm afraid people will hear that and want to water it down. But like that you, you showed up whether it was brought to you or you brought it, you were able to engage in the conversation, regulate yourself enough to stay in it, that you can say, I actually like persevered in that conversation. Mm -hmm. I tried to understand the other person's perspective. Mm -hmm. I spoke clearly my perspective. And at the end, like at the very least at the end, we could both be affirming of each other, even though we may still disagree about the topic, you know, we can, affirm our commitment to our relationship, um, if that seems appropriate. But how, how do we know if it was successful? It's that I said what I needed to say and I didn't get, I didn't hang out in a reactive place. Yeah. You know, I regulated and got back to, and if I can't do that, then I asked to postpone. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That's, yeah, that's really, really good. Really good. Oh, like, well, I is, mean, this is a really extreme example, but it just think of the boss who needs to let somebody go, you know, okay. in a Christian organization, let's just heighten it, you know, and they go to the same church, um, <laughs> right? Pile it on, Ross. And now <laughs> yeah. I need to let you go. It's like, okay, really, Ross, you think you can say something that's going to make this okay? You know, I know that's an extreme example, but I, I need to be able to put my boss hat on in that case and have the needed conversation. And I also need to be able to not kid myself into thinking I can do this in a way that you, at the end of the conversation, you're going to look at me and say, you are so right. Thank <laughs> you for how kind you've been through this, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, no. Now maybe somebody comes back months later with some yeah. agreement, but yeah. So that's not how we measure success mm. <laughs> is if the other person is like, is happy with our side yeah, or right. feeling great. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. But that I did what I needed to do. I, you know, yeah. And so one kind of follow-up question with that is let's just say we, we mess this up badly. We just, we just really blow this conversation that we've just, we, we were going into it really well and we just completely exploded somewhere in the middle of it and it just fell apart around us. Um, how do we, how do we follow that up? Mm. I mean, so I think we have to own it. Biblical language would be, I need to confess to you. If I sin against you, I need to confess that sin to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah and to God, and I need to ask for forgiveness. My concern as we're talking in, in this conversation would be that someone else's negative emotions, like their, their, their difficulty with the conversation um, 
ends up being the thing that I can't handle. And I'm apologizing mm -hmm. for bringing a message. Yeah. That's not what no. And yeah. we can so easily get there. Yeah. You know, I didn't mean to hurt you. Mm. No, we're talking about I yelled at you or I called you names or mm -hmm. I whatever. Like I need to own that and apologize for it. And, mm -hmm. and I threw a shampoo it. shampoo bottle at you. Let's go back to that and talk about what the real <laughs> issue is. Right. You know? right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Very good. Okay, that good. Cool. Without yeah. saying, and you made me do it because you no, yeah. came in and <laughs> talked about money, right? No. Right. Now, yes, I responded I, wrong. I did I, this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe the other person threw more things than I did, you know? <laughs> I wonder if you've ever had the experience of apologizing, like genuinely asking forgiveness of someone for something that you did, and the things they did seem so glaringly sinful, and they thank you and mm. extend forgiveness and don't ask for it. Like that is so hard. It, yes, it yes, it is. I'm still, I'm still smarting from that, from that one. You know, there's a couple that I'm like, I'm apologizing to her for something and I'm sitting in her living room. This is here in the Dominican. And on the table is a tablecloth that she stole from me at the same, you know, and I'm like, but, you know, but the Lord, thankfully, I had prepared for this conversation and the Lord is like, but just talk about what you were wrong in. That's right. Just, that's just focus on how you were wrong. And it, I had to speak the truth and bring, like you said, bring that message yeah. and forget about my. I think that's off. your answer. We like, like, yeah, you own yeah. your part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And yeah. I think that'll be really helpful because I know we don't always get it right. And sometimes best intentions fall apart somewhere along the way. Um, and so I think that'll be helpful. So, man, this yes. has really, yes. really been good. Goodness good. gracious. Um, there are so many pieces of this. So for those of you that are listening today, I know that you're probably going to want to listen to this um, again and again uh, to be able to kind of get this. But we love having Ross on here because he kind of coaches us through yeah. how to do things that are necessary and important and vital to great relationships. And at the same time, sometimes are not easy mm -hmm. to, you know, in those relationships. Mm -hmm. So, so thanks Ross for being Thank with us so much, today. Ross. Thanks for having me. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. And, and as always, we'll probably have Ross coming back around again at some point in time, uh, talking to us about something else really hard or difficult <laughs> that we need to figure our way through. Uh, but listen, thank you so much for joining us today on the Rudy Deep podcast. Again, sure, our, but are, are you going to ask me the question that you ended with last time? You know, um, I will ask you that very last question because we know we've kind of walked you through the whole 10, so we weren't going to put that on you again today unless you just kind of want to update your favorite. Um, but we definitely will ask you, Ross, uh, you know, what keeps you rooted deep? Yeah. Oh, I, I meant, are you going to ask me what I keep on my nightstand? Okay, uh, yes, it we must can be go new. back to that one. Yes, <laughs> Ross, what do you keep on your nightstand? Because I have to tell you, I answered that. It was came out of nowhere. I answered yes. that question last time. It was kind of basic. Walked later in the day, walked out of my office and over into my bedroom and looked on my nightstand. And there was my Dare for More thermos. I was like, Yay. how did I not remember that? <laughs> it stays there all the time because that's like my nighttime water bottle. That if I wake up in the night, it, I fill it up every night. It's on my nightstand and it's my favorite. So, yay! Uh, awesome. I love it. 
the Dare for More water bottle. You can get your Dare for More water bottle at <laughs> dareformore.org. It's actually like a thermos. I think it's, it is probably can hold coffee, but I, I like it because it keeps things cold. That's so. great. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Um, for those of you that are thinking, what in the world are they talking about? Usually we end the podcast by asking uh, a series of questions uh, for first time guests that, you know, their favorite movie, their favorite thing. Um, Unprepared, since, rapid fire. They don't know what's yeah, coming kind of Yeah. So, but yeah. today, since we had Ross on here before, right. we thought we would save him uh, the rapid fire questions. Uh, Thank you. And, uh, but he did update us on what is what's on his nightstand, which is very was one of those key questions there. So so much fun. But Ross, thanks for being with us today. Mm -hmm. Everybody, thanks for listening to Rudy Deep today. We hope that there's something that you've gotten today that's really gonna keep you rock solid in what you do every day, and that's really what this program is all about. So until next time, uh, we'll see you later. Continue to join us on Rudy Deep. Thank you for listening to Rudy Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.